Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What's up, Arrowhead Addict listeners? My name is Matt Connor. I've been forbidden from doing a Bell Biv DeVoe intro so I'm coming straight to you with boring words and welcome. But the show's not going to be boring. we got a great show for you today. I'm here with Sterling Holmes. We have our guest, Stacy Smith, coming up here in just a few minutes. we got a lot to talk about. We're midstream in a Super Bowl repeat run. But look, man, I'm a gentleman, and I'm here with my good friend Sterling. The Chiefs are going to have to wait a minute, and all are you too. Sterling, how are you, my friend? I'm good. Shot through the heart, and you're to blame. Nick Sirianni, you give the Eagles a bad name. Nick Sirianni. Oh, man, that's good. That's good. You, I told you you should have led the show out. You wouldn't do it. You, you. No, I'm, I'm feeling good, though, man. Like, the Chiefs showed us some. The Chiefs showed us they have that Golden State Warriors, that Patriots, where – you're in this midst of incredible dominance, but game in and game out, it's so hard to get up for it in the regular season. And there's just a a certain next level that these great teams seem to be able to get to come playoff time. And the Chiefs have it. Again, the Golden State Warriors had it. The New England Patriots had it. And as we're finding out, the Chiefs, they can turn it up to 11, in the words of Spinal Tap, when they absolutely have to, again, it might not always be pretty, but I think they've understood themselves. They now understand who they are, the blueprint blueprint of how to win. They can rely on this incredible defense. And quite frankly, I think Andy Reid tells a couple things left in his sleeve. And they're not just nuggies, not just nuggies. <laughs> Here's what I love. I asked you how you're doing first, and you can't differentiate yourself from the Chiefs. You need to go see someone about this. You, you, you got you to separate yourself a little bit. You just go right into There's no place like Mahomes. There it is. Folks, we got a, uh, a, a great show coming up. We're going to be talking about the wild card results and what we learned. We're going to be talking about uh, getting up to Buffalo for this uh, Patrick Mahomes first road trip ever, blah, blah, blah. Man, people go crazy, even though his road record is impeccable, impeccable. I don't know even why they're bringing this up. He's better on the road statistically than at home. Stupid. Anyway, uh, we're going to be talking about that. We're, gonna be, we're also going to be talking about the identity of this team, and we'll be doing so with a guest. But, Sterling, you got uh, some good stuff for our listeners here in just a second. Oh, baby, I have some great stuff. Oh, baby, you, you've got what I need. Hey, Chiefs fans, DraftKings is offering a fantastic sign-up bonus ahead of the divisional round. You can place a $5 first bet on anything to instantly claim $200 in bonus bets. We'll also be rewarded with a separate no-sweat single-game parlay every single day when you opt in. The best part is that you'll receive both rewards even if that first bet loses. When you join DraftKings, make sure to sign up with our code ARROWHEAD using our code ARROWHEAD 
ahead and not only get you these great bonuses, but also directly supports our podcast. So if you've been considering signing up for DraftKings, make sure to use the code Arrowhead to maximize your first bets and parlays. This offer is only available to new customers for 21 plus and physically present in legal gambling states. Please remember to always gamble responsibly. Click the episode description of the full terms of the offer to see if you qualify. Love it. Love it. it uh, by the way, I already see comments saying the Chiefs playing with house money is this term. I want to talk about with that with you. I want to talk about that with Stacy. But you know who's playing with real house money? Nick Sirianni, because he's at home, because he's going nowhere for the next six months. That's all of you out. Nick Sirianni. I what a yeah. Anyway, I don't want to get angry. I'm happy right now. Whatever, uh, folks. Hey, uh, I, I got to admit, you know, like look, I love I love all of our writers on Arrowhead Addict. We have a great team right now. We have a great team. And I'm proud of the whole team we have. But one of my favorites, I don't play favorites, but I'm telling you now I play favorites. Uh, Stacy Smith is one of my favorites. You can find him on Twitter at MCReach. Um, just always has unique takes. He'll even tell me, hey, man, I need a couple days to respond to the game because I'm just going to let these thoughts settle. And I always know, like, yeah, man, I'm not pressuring. Because when he does come through, it's like, Man, no one's thought about that. No one's highlighted that yet. And then there it is. It's always there for the taking. So uh, from time to time, we like to bring Stacy on the show just to tell us the latest ruminations on the Chiefs from his perspective to fit in, to hang out. Stacy, I keep talking. You're already here on the show. How are you today? I'm well, man. Thank you. I, I don't know that I can, I can match that introduction, but I, I always appreciate being on the show with you, fellas. It's always good to have you. Always good to have you. Stacy Sterling and I were just talking about how we're doing and, and in the wake of the – of the wild card round, as you watched that game and it was clear the Chiefs were going to come away with the victory, how were you in that moment? Like, were you surprised by the results? Were you like, no, I believe in this team? How has your sort of temperature with the Chiefs uh, come through in the last week or so? Not surprised. I think anytime you're talking about Andy Reid, you're talking about Patrick Mahomes, you're talking about the postseason, we, we know that they deliver. So certainly there's been – uh, peaks and valleys this season. And so we didn't know quite what to expect, but um, seeing the team play lighter over the last couple of weeks was was a pretty good indication that they would probably play well. So uh, I'm happy with what we've seen. Certainly there are some things that still need to be cleaned up, but uh, happy with what they did in wild card. Were we a little too harsh on the Chiefs during the regular season? Again, I, I try to intro and kind of set this up here. You know, some of these great teams have had the ability to turn it on in big games, in bigger moments. The regular season is not the end goal for these teams. Obviously, not saying they're trying to lose, obviously, but when they need to turn it up, they can get there. You just might not see it game in and game out during the regular season. At times, do you think we were a little too harsh and didn't trust the Chiefs and what they could do? Or is there still a little bit of, all right, that's great and all, but some of those same concerns we had in the regular season still reared its ugly head in this postseason victory. The penalties, Jawan Taylor, the red zone struggles. Where are you at with this? I think there's a level of undisciplined sloppy play that we haven't seen proliferate through the entire season. So I'm not sure that the concerns or maybe the criticisms were totally unwarranted. I think some of it was. Um, but ultimately, when it when it comes down to December and January, uh, this group, this this ensemble of characters, Andy Reid, Travis Kelsey, Patrick Mahomes, tend to figure things out. So uh, 
I definitely think that there were some real concerns. There still are, I think, a few concerns left. Um, and I'm sure you all will get into that as the show goes on. But no, I think I think a lot of that criticism was warranted. Stacy, I know that you know um, the defense is really what's going to carry this team. Uh, you know, we could talk about Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. The, the defense, though, is the calling card at this point because at least the offense knows they don't have to do as much lifting. But I know for you, that's been a concern of how they haven't really settled into that. I was hoping you could kind of go more into your into your perspective here on what you'd like, like what you've liked seeing from the Chiefs' offense in recent weeks that they seem to be growing into identity-wise, and what that means for them kind of going forward. I think the important part is remembering who the horses are, right? So I talk about this in the piece uh, that will that will drop sometime this week. Uh, but one of the important parts is they really leaned into Isaiah Pacheco in the wild card. Run. That was important. He had a season high, 24 carries in that game. So they really made a commitment to the run. And, it, and it's not like they blew the doors off of the Dolphins with the run, but they did just enough. And there were a few chunk plays here and there. So I think that's probably where it started, right? I always say, I feel like he's the pulse of this offense. And I think as he goes, the offense goes. So that's been an important part. Uh, and we've seen that kind of ramp up over the back half of the season. So that will be important. But then also, uh, your two horses, as when it comes to pass catchers, Travis Kelsey and Rasheed Wright, right? And so throughout the season, we've been talking about finding the right mix, right? Figuring out who uh, should be as a, a part of the offensive rotation as far as your receivers are concerned. And I think with some injuries, um, they've really settled into a rotation. I went back and I took a look at the Buffalo game in the regular season and looked how the, the targets were being distributed, and it really was all over the place, right? So in that game, Rashi Rice and Travis Kelsey both were productive, but there were a number of targets, I think right around 19 targets to other players, right, between some of the other receivers. So I think what's important now is just understanding to, that the Chiefs need to ride their horses, right? You need to be more of a run focus and ride your horses. You're going to take those shots. I think that was a, another key part that I didn't really get into in the article, but another key shot is taking – taking those shots down the field. So you had those those plays to McCole Hartman. Obviously, he didn't come down with the ball in those in those cases, but I think taking those shots and keeping the defenses honest is another part of it. But Pacheco, Kelsey, Rice, that's the, that's the recipe. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I completely agree. Kelsey, Rice, Pacheco, the, the three-headed monster, you will. Those are clearly the three best weapons that Chiefs have. But I want to pose this question to both of you guys. So Mahomes had 41 passes. There were 34 targets because there were seven throwaways, which again goes to show you, at least in my opinion, Mahomes was very smart in this game. He was very calculated. When it was not there, he did not even give the give, give a chance to put the ball in harm's way. I mean, that's the most throwaways I have seen from him uh, potentially ever. Uh, Rice had 12 targets. Kelsey had 10. 
That's 22 of 34 targets. 12 targets were left over according to my math. Now, again, I'm horrible at math, but that's what I, that's how I broke this thing down right here. Is that sustainable? Right. Obviously, it worked against Miami. They didn't have Xavier Howard. They only had Jalen Ramsey. Who, by the way, Jalen Ramsey had a pretty nice game. If you looked at all the plays the uh, um, the Dolphins actually made defensively, you can almost point to Jalen Ramsey or Wilkins and say, "Yeah, it was one of those two guys." But as far as when Buffalo comes or the Chiefs go to Buffalo, Razul Douglas is going to be playing. Most likely, he talked about it how he could have gave it a go last week. He didn't. He's ready for this one. The, the coaching staff held him back. So Rizul Douglas should be playing. They also have two great safeties in Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer. So this is a little bit of a better secondary than the Chiefs faced in Miami. Are they able to have the same game plan and still be effective, even with potentially a better secondary in effect here? I think so. I think so. I think, uh, again, they're going to – now, what – it looks like in terms of concepts uh, may look a little different, but I think ultimately the philosophy will be the same. And I think they can have success. They're a little banged up as well, uh, particularly over the middle. So I, I think they'll have an opportunity to still take advantage of the middle part of the field. You're obviously going to sprinkle in uh, a few plays here and there to your Justin Watson, your McCole Hartman. Uh, but I think the formula is set. And I think uh, that that is going to be what the offense will have to ride if they are to successfully defend this title. I'm 100% with you there, Stacey. I, again, I think this game plan works against the majority of teams where you focus on these three guys, Pacheco, Rice, and Kelsey. But the questions I have are when you face a team like the Ravens, who are so deep in the secondary, when you face a team like the 49ers, who are so deep in the secondary, someone else is going to have to step up. But against the Bills, again, I, I think you're completely right. Focusing on Kelsey, Rice, and Pacheco, you know, leave those 10 targets for, for everyone else. But the, the, the lion's share needs to be Kelsey and rice because they don't have the dogs the horses to guard both of these guys yeah it, yeah you know what i think i think what's interesting here the buffalo kind of mirrors kc in that you know they're going to make a mistake so you want to be the team that doesn't like let them beat themselves and so i think that same cautiousness exhibited on offense by mahomes you don't have like you know you know you got to lead on Miami you know you don't have to force it you know the defense is going to do its thing so throw it away like i don't need to like make a mistake here and cost a significant field position i think you can even play that game against the bills although they certainly you know have the horses to to make up for some of those mistakes but so does Miami i mean Miami also you know when you talk about Waddle and Hill you're always leery of giving up those same big plays and the defense is locked down on those. And so, um, you know, I, I think we're going to see the same cautious level. When the Chiefs need that tertiary target, by the way, I think they may experiment with Tony. I think that's the week that we'll see Kadarius Tony maybe inserted back into the lineup again and not being inactive. Y'all are laughing at me, but I, I don't know who else is going to make those play. You know, no, your love for Tony was my love for Alberto Mondesi in baseball for the Royals. It's, it's the same thing where you're like, Oh, the talents there, the potential. And then you never see it translate. So you're stuck. You see very small flashes, right? Mondesi had small flashes of greatness. Tony's had small flashes of greatness, but injuries coupled with the inability to put it together for an extended period of time. Um, you always focus on the highs. We, we never focus on, on, on the mean, the average, or the lows. Uh, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm with you. Without hope, we got nothing. But uh, <laughs> if it were me, 
I, I think McCole Hardman and still I might hold out a little hope for, for Richie James to make a catch or two in some big moments because Richie James, for me, has been pretty solid, albeit in a minuscule sample size. Sure, sure. Yeah, I guess I'm looking at I guess I'm looking at playmaker, but um, yeah, and let's not forget Justin Watson almost had 500 yards this year. Yeah. I mean, I think he's lost in every conversation, but but there's something there too. Hey, Stacy, let's talk defense. When you when you look back at that game, were you surprised by anything the defense was able to do against Miami? Not at all. I think you you had some, uh, obviously great games by the corners, right? Great corner play. Uh, McDuffie got uh, Tyreek got McDuffie down the down the field on yeah. that play. Uh, he got a little turned around, um, but you had a great game from Nick Bolton. Um, great game by Legereus Need, which goes without saying. I feel like that's just we can count on that from week to week. Uh, but they played well. Uh, they played very well. I was I was uh, very satisfied with the the amount of pressure that we got from the front. Uh, we weren't. It wasn't a, a a phenomenal game from the defensive line. They didn't get a ton of pressure, but they got enough to keep him moving around and to make him uncomfortable. Uh, I really liked a lot of what I saw from from that, particularly from the play calling standpoint. I think Spags put on a, a bit of a clinic in that game in terms of mixing up some things with coverages and with blitzes. That's kind of been the, the thought process all season long is just just Spags being in his bag. I always say this is his Picasso of a season, right? Uh, his Michelangelo. Now, I don't know if you would say this is as talented as the team he had, obviously, in New York with with all of those dudes. I mean, that those teams were were just absolutely stacked defensively. But you might, you might say they're they're – at least a little different, right? You might make the case that this secondary might be better or the best secondary he's ever had since he's been in the NFL. Maybe the most versatility he's ever had. Cause I mean, he really does have so many options and ways he can use guys. Um, even with uh, Derek Nottie going down, I mean, you still saw an uptick for Mike Dana, Karloftis, and Minahu and Chris Jones. Like you were still able to see all four guys. He just moved one of those guys inside sometimes. And you see the versatility and the explosion they can, uh, the disruption they can add to a game. You know, we saw a little bit of uh, Nick Bolton and Drew Tranquil on the field at the exact same time. You saw the diabolical nature of Trent McDuffie and Legereus Snead just passing dudes off. You saw the safety play uh, when he dropped down like it was going to be a one safety guy coming up. And all he did was rotate around. And that was the interception that Mike Edwards caught. I mean, Spagnolo has been phenomenal all season long. And, and I always laugh because he seems to hold things back into the playoffs. Like he's been great all season long. And then the first game of the playoffs, he was even better. I, I can't wait to see what he comes up to, uh, against Josh Allen, who again is prone to making mistakes. Yeah. Hey, want to say, uh, by the way, if you're listening, uh, appreciate you, anyone listening. If you want to hit that like button, uh, give us a review, wherever you're at, uh, hit the subscribe. Um, it's been a great ride this year with all of you hanging out with us. I uh, want to extend a super thanks to Justin Hayes for the super chat. He says, does Willie Gay spy Josh Allen this week? And then, by the way, see a Sirianni, which I think we're all screaming in the tunnels of our minds. Uh, yeah, like, I mean, look, Josh, the legs of Josh Allen are the big threat that are going to have most fans worried going into this game. Uh, yeah, do you think... Uh, I, I like that as an idea. Um, what do you guys think? I wouldn't mind seeing a bit of that. Uh, I don't I don't want Spax to get overly concerned about uh, Josh Allen hurting the, the defense with his legs. But, I, yeah, I could see a bit of that, him being spied from time to time. I, think. 
I kind of disagree. I, I I do want them to spy Josh Allen because I trust McDuffie one on one. I trust Legarius Sneed one on one. I think the way to beat Kansas City is in the hashes, obviously, right? We'll see a lot of 12 personnel, I'm assuming, from Buffalo with Dawson Knox and Dalton Kincaid. James Cook had maybe his best receiving game of the season against Kansas City. What I expect the Bills to try and do is to run a lot of 12 personnel. Okay, I expect a lot of 12 personnel from Buffalo, especially if Gabe Davis, the question mark surrounding him. Shakur has been great, obviously. Stephon Diggs is there. But 12 personnel with Knox and Kincaid on the field at the same time, that's when the Bills are, are, are at their best. So that's going to probably result in the Chiefs running a lot of base package, right? A lot of 4-3, which means three linebackers on the field at the same time. What we did see was Nick Bolton and Drew on the field at the same time. But that third guy is going to be interesting. Is it Leo Chennault? Is it Willie Gay Jr.? Either way, I do want to see a spy on Josh Allen. You saw him take advantage in big-time moments this past week. I mean, that 52-yard run was, was a dagger. Um, some of his, uh, some of his ability to, to run for first downs and you have to have a guy big enough. I love Drew Tranquil, but he's not the biggest linebacker. I wonder if you do use Willie Gay Jr. in that instance, because he might not be able to drag Willie Gay Jr. for a first down again, not a knock against Drew. That's just his size difference from Willie Gay Jr. So I do think I agree with you there. I think, um, Willie Gay Jr. might be your best bet. Yeah. I, uh, by the way, let's, let's talk for just a second about who wasn't there before. Stacey, I don't know if you want to keep joining us for this one, T, but last time they faced the Bills, um, you know, we had no Drew Tranquil. Nick Bolton was just back from injured reserve. Um, that makes a huge difference in the middle of the field. You were just talking about James Cook, you know, running all over. the. I think he had like, what, 140, 141 yards from scrimmage in that game. And then um, – you know, their tight ends can feast in the middle of the field. But if we're at full strength in the second level, plus what we see from Sneed, McDuffie, and company, the way they just handled uh, even body like Tyreek and and what the Dolphins wanted to do to the passing attack, like how much are you really worried about that considering the last time we were just so decimated there? Big concern. I, I think now being healthier linebacker is going to be a big linebacker game all of the reasons that we cited, right? Josh Allen's ability to scramble, uh, James Cook, right? Their use of those tight ends, those talented tight ends. So I think it's going to be a really, really big game for our line. So, so coming in healthy and having all of our horses there in the middle of the defense is going to be huge. By the way, do we know what's up with Naughty? Have we heard like any, I haven't heard any like sort of post game, here's what's up with Derek Naughty coming up this week. Have you guys? Mm-mm. Okay. That'll be something to watch for sure. Because that's not exactly a deep, uh, you know, run stopping. Uh, Mike Pinnell, baby. No, that's true. Yeah. I, he is a fan favorite. I, I mean, it's hard not to like Mike Pinnell for sure. Um, well, hey, Stacy, before we let you go, I'd love to hear your prediction. Uh, looking forward a bit. What do you think is going to happen in the divisional round come Sunday? Is Sunday night? Yeah. Uh, I like us to win the game. I like us to win the game. I think it'll be uh, maybe a. 28-24 kind of game. Oh. One of those very much like that 13 seconds game where it was back and forth. Uh, so I expect a lot of fireworks from both offense. Yeah. This would be the kind of game that we would win late. Love it. Love it. Then we'll be um, conference championship once again. By the way, do you think it's going to be Baltimore or Houston on the other side? Houston looks really good, but it, it's Houston looks good and Baltimore's had a significant amount of time off. I wouldn't be surprised to see them stop. 
the right. All right. All right. I think everyone's overthinking it, man. Baltimore has gotten it done all year long. I, although I get it. I mean, he, I mean, Houston looks real good. And by the way, D'Amico Ryan's looks like, I mean, what a coach. What a this coach. is so hard for me. These are the two teams I was highest on, like throughout the entire season. Going into the year, I said Houston's going to surprise a lot of people. Uh, I said they're going to be about 500. Well, they surprised even me. But then when when Baltimore was kind of struggling around 500, I go, guys, watch out. They're about to explode. Greg Roman was not the good. It was not good. He was holding them back. And Todd Munkin's about to all of a sudden, they're going to flip a switch. And then they did. So I'm, it's like a, a battle of my two love childs of predictions right here. I'm like, oh, no, who do I go with? <laughs> love it. Love it. Well, Stacy, thanks so much for joining us, man. Appreciate you coming on. Folks, if you don't already <laughs> – on Twitter or X or whatever that dude's calling it these days. Uh, make sure you follow MC at MC reach. That's Stacy Smith. Follow along with what he says. We're going to post him first thing in the morning. So when you wake up before you get up, scroll on your phone, like normal, go over to Arrowhead addict, read his thoughts on the chiefs. Stacy as always. It's good to have you on the show. Thank you, sir. Thanks so much, man. Uh, Sterling, we got a lot more chief stuff to get to but want to say shout out to Charlie Sinclair. Uh, thanks for the super chat here, Charlie, with a great question because I think I think we're all waiting for the AFC West to get functional, healthy. Is there a single team out there that can even have like healthy leadership? And he says, "How do we feel about Harbaugh to the Bolts Kingdom?" Um, what do you think about Jim Harbaugh joining the AFC West Circus? Uh, I mean, he's a damn good head coach everywhere yeah. he's been. He took a what, what the uh, 49ers were three and 13, I believe, before he got there, and they went 13 and three like that year. I mean, what he did in the NFL, and quite frankly, in every single stop he's been at, has been nothing short of extremely impressive. If he goes to uh, I'm still going to call him San Diego. Sorry, Chargers fans. You don't deserve LA. You're a San Diego. Or I guess, you know what? LA doesn't deserve you. You're San Diego to me. Dang it. So if he goes to the Chargers, though, I don't know if he does it this year because there's a lot of cap space. He was going to have to work around, and who knows, with Khalil Mack and, and Bosa and then Mike Williams. They have $181 million tied up in six guys. But it's crazy. It, it, I think he's a damn good head coach. That, that would make me at least a little nervous. Yeah, yeah. Look, let look, let's let's admit this. A head coach is the main thing you have to get right. The main thing you have to get right. It's the difference between um what we've seen, the foibles every year from the rest of the division and competency. So when the Chiefs brought in Andy Reid, yeah. it made all the difference. It made all the difference. Now we also know quarterback is almost as or just as important. They've already got that one figured out. I mean, I mean, I you know that's that's a much better starting spot than say the Chiefs when they traded for Alex Smith to right the ship. If they already had a Justin Herbert here, we would be by talking a much higher ceiling in those earlier Andy Reid years. But yeah. nevertheless, the Chiefs went from picking first in the draft, like they were the Texans that year. That's what we've seen. We see it again here in Houston, right? Houston goes nowhere. <laughs> No, they were they were the Texans without having C.J. Stroud. They were the Texans with going, oh bleep, our best option is going to be an above average left tackle. Right, right, right. I, I, yeah. To me, if Harbaugh enters the division, it's the first team with like 
trusted, competent leadership who's going to do something there. I don't, I kind of sort of wondered if Sean Payton would be that guy in Denver, but I wasn't quite convinced. But I would be absolutely convinced from day one if in LA, if the Chargers get their man. That said, the fact that they're flirting with Dan Quinn just makes me like, I just want to howl with laughter. Please chase that one. Anyway, Charlie, thanks for the super chat there, man. Great question. We're all kind of feeling that. Also, by the way, are the Raiders going to do anything but go for the emotional hire? Look, look, let's debate this real fast because people are like, dude, Antonio Pierce, great guy. He's got him playing so hard. Uh, The players love him. Max Crosby's like, Hey, fighting for it. Blah, blah, we blah, saw blah, blah. it matters at least a little bit because look at the Eagles. What happened? They look like they gave up. It looked like they were all were like, we do not want to play for Nick Sirianna. We don't give a hoot nor a I holler. get that. I get that. But I'm old enough, by the way, to remember when a room full of truly great players, defensive players for the Chiefs, Derek Johnson, Tom Bahali, others were like, we love playing for Romeo Cornell. Don't let <laughs> Romeo Cornell leave this team. Don't let anyone else take Rome. Romeo Cornell went two and one as an interim guy. Kyle Orton got a late season win. Oh, it's a huge win. Huge win, all this. And then the team was like, oh, we've been so close. Cornell's our man. It's Todd Haley who's been the problem. And then we watched. We watched a lump of clay every week on the sideline staring off into whatever abyss Romeo Cornell stares into for 60 game minutes at a time. And we, and like the worst season ever in chiefs history went down. Now I'm thankful for that year because that led to the complete turnover of all things to get to where we are now. But look, man, the emotional in season hire is not the same as like, let's go all the way from scratch. Let's make sure we turn over every stone. If you kind of sort of already have your favorite and it's this emotional thing, I just don't think it works out. I am totally out on Pierce. I would never believe in Pierce. It's not his fault. It's just the, I just think interim stuff doesn't work. Uh, So I'm praying the Raiders hire Romeo Cornell Jr. Otherwise known as Antonio Pierce. And I'm sorry, Antonio, I'm lumping you in there just because it doesn't work. (laughs) Am I wrong? Let's talk about the playoff game, Connor. I'm sorry. We're dumping on the Raiders for no reason. Right now, Raiders fans are just sitting there like, dude, what do we do? I've already been sitting at home for weeks. I know where I'm at. Anyway. (laughs) um, Hey, by the way, back at the – I want to talk about this. I want to get you – I wanted to debate – not debate this with you. I I just thought it would be a great conversation. Uh, Tyree kill comma class act. Am I wrong? Dude, that that dude, that dude, that dude got bodied by luxurious Sneed and then puts out a tweet like owning it completely. Just saying like, yeah, you know, he sent my ass to Cancun. Um, like there was something in me, you know, some people kind of piled on like, yeah, he did. But I was like, man, I, Tyreek, I miss that dude. I love that dude. Like, there's something. Anyway, I, I thought he owned that so well. I thought, I thought his return to KC was gracious and grateful, and it made me miss watching him on a regular basis. 
And there was enough that he showed enough to remind us like, Oh yeah, that's what he can do. And he can, he can't at any time score if he, you know, and like he had that long catch and then turn into something. But, uh, but yeah, also I love the way he handled himself. I just thought Tyreek deserved a shout out on this show. Sure. For the way he handled himself in that situation. Uh, yeah. What'd you think of that whole thing, by the way, with yeah, Jerry's on him and, I talked about the X, and I, I thought it was great that the fact that he he talks trash as much as anyone, but he also can take it when he gets it back towards him, yeah. and he's humble enough, or at least understanding enough that when he gets his ass kicked, he's not going to sit back and talk smack after like another wide receiver in the NFL. Um, instead, he he owns it and goes, "Yeah, man, he got me. He he got me here. Yeah, you love it. I mean, th- that's that's the best type of trash talk." Because you you want the type of guy who who gives some smack and and stirs the pot, but then also understandably so when you get him, he goes, yeah, you know what, you got me, man. I deserve to get to get roasted in return. I like that give and take. Again, I'm all for actual rivalries. Again, the Chiefs are in a better spot since he's gone to Miami. Obviously, they won a Super Bowl the year he left. The defense is in a much better spot. I mean. In totality, it was a great trade for both parties. And right now, the Chiefs obviously have the upper hand there. Uh, watching Trent McDuffie get burnt once was sad, but then also understanding that he didn't let that get him down. And the other times he lined up against Tyreek, what happened? He was great. He was nails. Uh, McDuffie really rebounded from that. So, yeah, man, I I like what Tyreek said. And was it was laughing and, and able to joke at himself after the game. But also, I'm sitting here going, but he's going to Cancun. Well, the Chiefs are going up to Buffalo, and a big part of the of the reason why, you know, Tyreek Hill is in Miami and why the trade happened is you're looking at the Chiefs' great defense. That was part of the trade, and the Chiefs are moving on. You love to see it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, LeJerry, or by the way, a lot of, a lot of commenters are pointing out, uh, Jamar Chase, anyone, says Sean Browning. Joshua Clayton says Jamar Chase wouldn't have said that. Yeah, I mean that's exactly it. It, it. Like when you when you look at how Tyreek handled that situation versus the recent trash talk we've seen from Jamar, you just realize one's grown up and the other one really hasn't yet. And uh, you know, I mean, Jamar still has time. He's young, but uh, yeah. Anyway, um, a Sterling. By the way, we didn't have Isaiah Pacheco. That's the other one that we that we didn't talk about going into the Buffalo game next week. I think Clyde Edwards Elaire was our leading rusher last time in both rushes and in carries and rushing yards in that last game. And it was pretty close. Do you think Pacheco would have put the Chiefs over the top in that last game? And or what do you make of his return here to this matchup? Well, obviously it's a big game. I mean, it's a big, big return for for the Chiefs having Pacheco back, but that's not the biggest thing for me i do think drew tranquil getting injured was was massive and i do think the fact that the chiefs have already played buffalo once normally i'm not a huge fan of this but i do think in the in 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 terms of what spagnola has done in the past right what happens early in games traditionally especially in that game the bills started off hot they scored early they took an early lead and then what happens the game goes on spags adjusts figures it out And then the defense has been locked down. So what I'm saying here is if the Bills try and do the same thing, which, again, I think is the way you attack Kansas City. We saw it with the Patriots early on. You saw it with uh, actually Zach Wilson, the Jets. They were, I think, the first team to do it uh, in that second half of that game. Uh, You saw it with the Packers, right? The Packers did the exact same thing. And then you saw it in the first half of that Buffalo Bills game. 
they, they, they focus in the middle. They focus on the tight ends and the running back, and they try and pick on the linebackers. Well, guess what? They figured it out. The Chiefs figured it out, and Spagnuolo has seemingly come up and adjusted and has some answers now. I don't expect that to happen consistently for the Bills moving forward. Now, again, I think they're going to try. I do think it's the best chance they have, but I also have faith in Spagnuolo that he goes, I have seen this before. It's not going to take a quarter or a half to adjust. We'll adjust in one drive. And again, especially having Drew Tranquil back and healthy. That, to me, means more than Pacheco. That's my two cents. Wow. Wow. Well, I love what you're saying, and I hope you're totally right. Um, yeah, I, I'm excited about this. I We're getting key guys back who weren't there. I think this is just huge um, that weren't there the, the last time around. By the way, we were talking earlier. Are we over – I'm sorry. Let me say it this way. Are we underestimating – like, I don't, I'm not saying we're underestimating the defense because we're talking about how great they are. Are are currently our Chiefs fans underestimating the star power of this defense because they're so young? Like, do you think in 10 years are we gonna look back and go, holy hell, they had Chris Jones, George Karloftis, Charles O'Minahue, you know, like they had Nick Bolton, they had Sneed, they had McDuffie, they had like, is it gonna be like that when we look back? That because these guys haven't had the chance to pile up all the Pro Bowls in their career, they haven't had the chance to like set franchise records, you know, could like for being around a long time. But as I'm looking around, I'm looking at look, there's three guys. Like, if I'm any Hugh wouldn't have been suspended, you're probably looking at three guys with double digit sacks in the front four. Mm-hmm. You got the best second level we've had since I've been watching the Chief or since Andy Reid arrived. The linebacking core is the best ever. You got, um, you got Snead and McDuffie is the most dominant corner duo in the league, and they're very deep behind them. So, and then of course you know, and then of course safeties. You know, Cook was looking sensational in the second year before he got injured. You know, Reed is 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 a steady above average performer, is good great leader and starter there. I'm just looking around, going, man. I know we're talking about them in great terms as a unit. But I think like the star power here is like maybe being overlooked. That's a really interesting point. Is if you look back in, you know, five years, let's say even if some of these guys have moved on, right? Yeah. That's a good point. I mean, does Nick Bolton start getting some Pro Bowl nods? You would have to imagine he does. Obviously, Legarius, we'd all have to imagine gets it next year. They always do a year too late before guys that kind of deserve it. And then obviously guys like Derrick Henry and Jalen Ramsey will get it a year later on than they should. That's kind of how the Pro Bowl typically works. Uh, McDuffie got his first nod, and you expect him to start uh, piling those up. Uh, Brian Cook, I think, is an interesting name of a guy who might start getting that tab later on. Um, I don't know if Karloftis ever gets there because I think you're kind of looking – again, I love Karloftis, but this is more or less what I thought he was going to be, a 9 to 12 type of stat guy. I think you're kind of looking more towards the uh, upper echelon of his output. I just Again, based on the bend, based on the upper uh, – the, the athleticism restraints to an extent, he's not going to be a, a Bosa or a Miles Garrett, and that's completely fine. The Chiefs didn't draft him to be that. They draft him to be this guy, to be more of like a Tom Bahali, 
right? And he already is on that path, which is absolutely outstanding. I think Charles Minnehu who's also an interesting name that you could point to and look at and say, hey, look at the athleticism. If he plays all 17 games next year, does he get 13 sacks with a whole bunch of pressures and all these knockdowns? Uh, who steps up if Chris Jones is gone next year? Does someone get more opportunity? But no, I, I think you're right, man. I think you're going to look back in a couple of years and say, wow, I can't believe how star-studded this defense was. I mean, Briscoe always has that fun stat, at least it was earlier on in the season, where based on age adjusted by snaps, the Chiefs still have the youngest defense in the NFL, right? They're young, they're incredible, they're talented. There's so much room to to to, to grow and improve still. It's very impressive what we're witnessing. You shouldn't expect a massive drop-off next year unless both Chris Jones and LeJarrius Need are gone. Yeah, yeah. And by the time, we'll have plenty of time to talk about this in the offseason, but if I'm looking at offseason moves, I'm going to Charles Ominihue, who's still young, by the way. I go to Ominihue and I say, look, you're a little bit pricier than I want you to be next year. You seem to like it here. We like having you here. How about we extend you for another year? give you a little bit more security. You give us a little bit more financial flexibility on the front end. We'll kick a little bit more money than the following year. I think you free up a little bit of money and you add some longer term security for in for, for when and if Jones is going to end up going, I, I'd like to see how many of you here for longer than two years. Well, yeah, me too. But it just in this game in general, I think a minute who's going to be one of the, the, I don't say X factor. Again, I still think linebacker play for the Chiefs is going to be what determines if the Chiefs move on or go home personally. But Charles Aminahu has been a, a game changer in some instances that don't just show up on the box score. Now, I know Adam Best is going to be thrilled about me talking about Charles O right here. But when you look at what he does, he does everything. He was really good in the run game against Miami. A lot of it was him actually making the running back have to adjust and go into the waiting arms of a cornerback uh, <laughs> or a linebacker, right? I mean, he would make all these guys adjust. He gets his hands up there. He affects the passer. He does get a lot of pressure, even if sometimes the sack numbers don't always show. Mm. I, I am very impressed by Charles O, and I think that was one of the more shrewd offseason signings from Brett Veach. We always rip on Jawan Taylor, but that's really the only one where you're like scratching your head about every yeah. other one you look at Mike Edwards, Drew Tranquil, Charles Minahu, they're playing very important snaps in the playoffs and making very big plays. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. And I think even Juwan Taylor, I think he is scratching his own head going, what's happened this year? Like, it, like after that weird primetime dress down by Collinsworth that just kind of turned officiating on its head it turned his timing on its head the whole the whole thing has been weird ever since then um and it's not like taylor ever had a runway uh with the chiefs before then um anyway hey by the way uh the other bit of news that's a little bit interesting to me willie gay jr seemed to indicate in a tweet i mean he said i'm playing my last game at arrowhead maybe and getting sad about that um you know like is he out the door? Is he done? Do you really do you think that's the case? Does that make you sad? Do you feel like no, we knew that all along that was that was going down? I mean, that's uh that's another question for another day. I, it's fine to me. Like 
we know the the nature of the beast. We know the game. And if it comes down to Willie Gay Jr. or Drew Tranquil, you're probably going Tranquil. Leo Chanel is already under contract. Cam Jones, you saw do a little bit of a, a nice impersonation week 18. Again, small sample size. But it all comes down to what does Willie Gay Jr. receive in the open market. Um, but yeah, that tweet was a little out of left field, in my opinion, for this type of year. Like you're in the playoffs right now, big game at Buffalo, and you're say reminiscing on back on the on potentially the last playoff game in Arrowhead. It just seems like a little out of place for me. Oh, you didn't like it. I wasn't a huge fan of it. I mean, again, you're in the playoffs right now. You're thinking about your contract. And again, maybe I'm looking too far into this. Maybe in reality, he's just reminiscing the positives, right? Looking back on all the glorious times he's had here in Kansas City, that's fine. But to me, it also kind of came off as uh, thinking about your contract in the middle of the playoff run. Mm. I guess I um, I don't know how reflective you are, but there are. I tend to live – I tend to think about what I will think about something in the present moment. And so that would that like that that thought was like right in line with what I would think. I would think I would be actively thinking am I playing my last game at Arrowhead? Like that would be mm. in my mind. Not as like a contractual thing, but as a I want to be aware of what I'm living that I that I take it all in for all it could be because this could be it versus looking back and going, "Oh, I wish I would have known in the moment it was my last game. I would have like Enjoyed it more. I would have been yeah. more present. You know, no, that, that's a that's a good viewpoint to have right there. And again, that, that that's probably the way to look at it. If you want to um, be a little bit more positive, if I don't, I, hopefully I'm not being too negative about it. But again, I love Ligue Junior. I hope he sticks around. But in the salary cap era, you ain't keeping everyone. Yeah, biggest postseason recognition snub since Mitch Schwartz is Legarius Sneed. True or false? True. Agreed. I needed you to for our friendship. It's it's bigger than Mitchell Schwartz. I even I I might even say it's bigger than Mitchell Schwartz snub. I mean, seriously. Because he at least got the the all pro nods. Sneed got neither. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. It was baffling to me. At one point, Schwartz had like four or five all pros. Like he had like several all pros in a row, and still the Pro Bowl wouldn't come calling. And you're like what is this? Like, you know, like it was just bananas, but uh, yeah. I, I keep, I, I'm seeing a lot of bills talking here. I just want to get to this. Like the bills are a good team. There's no denying. They're a good team. They're playing good football right now. They're hot. And I also think they're not the best matchup for Kansas city because Josh Allen's prone to turnovers, but the chiefs don't force a lot of turnovers. So they're not typically apt to all of a sudden bring down a few interceptions. That's not their game, but where the chiefs do thrive is again, they are very good at blanketing and shutting down Stefan Diggs. Even if Gabe Davis does play, I like the chiefs chances this year by not getting torched by him. Legereus Sneed and McDuffie are playing at the highest level they have ever played at. That gives me a lot of optimism. And I do think, the injuries to uh, the Bills' linebacker core is such that that's going to really hurt them. Should allow Pacheco to feast as well as Travis Kelsey, even if you want to run a little 12 personnel, which they did a decent amount uh, last week. You can throw in a little bit more Noah Gray if you don't trust your wide receiver three. Again, it's one of those situations where I think injuries are going to play a big issue for the Bills. I get they're getting Razul Douglas back, but Tredavious White is a no-go. Micah Hyde and Tredavious, or Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer are two of the best safeties in the entire NFL. But I, I don't, in my opinion, safety play is not typically indicative of a great defense. 
Um, I'm sitting here going, the Chiefs had a lot of injuries when they, placed, when they faced the Bills the first time around. This time around, it's a little bit different. No Matt Milano. Obviously, they've played without him a lot or a large chunk of the season. Massive loss. But I really do think Kansas City will be able to take advantage of, and they will take advantage of, the Bills' injuries. Yeah, yeah. And look, it needs to be said, anyone remaining right now is a great team. You have the final eight. In the AFC, you got the pecking order. One, two, three, four. All left. Every one of them could go all the way. Every one of them deserves a lot of applause for their season. No one should be taken lightly. So no one should be saying, oh, this is a cakewalk, one way or the other. No one should be looking down their nose at any other team. Everyone's done well to get this far. If you falter at this point, it's not a horrible season, a, a, a laughing stock of a season. No coach should get fired for going out at this point. Um, you know, yeah, that's just the, it's just the way it is. You're, you're in the divisional round. This is where it's at. And and I do think there's all of the pressure is on the Bills. All the pressure is on the Bills. And here's why. The Bills are about to pay the piper in regards to Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs. They're already paying a bleep ton of money to a guy who had three tackles in the regular season, Von Miller. Right? They've gone all in. The safety tandem that I said is really talented. They're in their 30s. Right? They're, they're not ascending players. They are on second and third contracts contracts making good money who, quite frankly, are on the downslope. Yeah. Tredavious White, as great as he has been in his career, he's only 28, looking like he is on the downslope. You have a lot of issues. Are you going to bring back Gabe Davis? Who's your wide receiver too? Do you bring back Dalton uh, Dawson Knox? Dalton Kincaid, you at least got right. That was a big get was, Doss, was uh, Dalton Kincaid. But the Bills have not won with Josh Allen on a rookie contract. Now when you have to try and build and take pieces away so you can pay Josh, now what happens? The Chiefs have done it with Mahomes on a rookie deal and with him not on a rookie deal. Like they had to take Tyreek Hill away. What happens when you take Josh when you take Stephon Diggs away from, from Josh Allen if you can't afford to pay him? Again, do you focus on the defense? Do you focus on giving him weapons? It's going to be an interesting balancing act. And again, I think 13 seconds was the start of the Bills' downfall. Mm. while the Chiefs going up to Buffalo and beating the Bills in Orchard Park will be the end of this iteration of the Bills. I firmly believe it. It's I like the Bills. If, you, if you've listened to me, I love Josh Allen. Like I know some folks are like, how can you like Josh Allen if you're a Chiefs fan? I'm all, I love Josh Allen. I love Dude. watching him play football. He is so talented. He's, he is. Like, like if I didn't have – if Mahomes wasn't a, the Chiefs quarterback, I would say, Josh Allen, please, I would, I would love to watch you play here in Kansas City. Yeah. But at some point, we have to be realistic. Same thing with the Bengals. You know, you always think your, your window is so open. You always think it's wide open. But the only team who has done it in different sort of styles has been the Chiefs in recent memory, right? Look how long it took San Fran to get back. They had to retool and rebuild and do it a little differently. Like, yeah, I think if the, if the Bills lose at home, there are going to be some seriously hard conversations of where that team goes moving forward. Um, I mean, hell, head coach McDermott might be gone. It's going to be wild to watch in digs. We always know how he's not super happy when they go home in the playoffs. I wonder if he wants out. Yeah, yeah. Kudos to them for getting this far in a year where they already fired a coordinator, by the way. that uh, I think we forget how low they once were this year. They're playing good football right now. It's going to be a tough game. Um, well, folks, we've arrived at the end of our, uh, show for today, but before we go, we always segue, bring in our producer, Richard, 
Richard, are you there? I'm here. Sorry, I was. I uh, had to get things settled in the background. How are we doing, yeah, folks? Yeah, all good. All good. You had to clean up. You're saying you left like yes. your socks on the floor. Oh, totally. It was. It was gnarly. <laughs> hey, uh, welcome to the must list, folks. This is the part of the show where we recommend uh, anything and everything. Where we uh, just try to offer up some recommendations, and from you, we would love to see in the comments um, what shows are you digging lately. What uh, what. What bands do we need to check out? What movies have you watched that are worth us checking out? We'd love to pass some of those on as we pass on some of our own favorites. Uh, Richard, what uh, you got something for us to lead us out today? Sure, I'll start us. Uh, so it's deep freeze in the Midwest. I'm sure we're all kind of aware of that. Uh, Chicago is no different. I had to stay indoors for the last few days. So I broke into 2017's Prey. It was a video game that came out. I never tried it. Uh, and I really like it a lot. I actually spent 30 hours on it over the course of like a weekend, which is a lot of time to spend on a game. Um, but I enjoy it. It's cool. If you like Bioshock, um, if you're an old head who likes like Deus Ex and I'm trying to think like the thief games or Dishonored, like immersive Sims where like, you've got plenty of options to solve a puzzle. Uh, yeah, it tickles my brain. So yeah, Prey 2017, not the one from 2006. That's a super old game. No relation. So yeah, check out the new one. All right. Hell yeah. 30 hours. That's a long time in a weekend. I'm glad it's you a lot had of time. Though. Yeah, I was in another world. I was on a space station all, all weekend, escaping <laughs> the cold. A different type of cold. That's great. Uh, Sterling, what about you? Yeah, I'm going Nick of Time, the 1989 album by Bonnie Raitt. I love Bonnie Raitt. People are talking. Talking about people. Yeah, man, I'm a uh, huge Bonnie Raitt fan, but Nick of Time, Thing Called Love, Have a uh, Heart. Uh, uh, the Road's My Middle Name is a nice little blues track that takes you out. Um, dude, Have a Heart is like a very underrated track. Yeah, I, I, I just love Bonnie Raitt, so uh, that's what I'm going with. If you haven't checked it out, if you don't know who Bonnie Raitt is, some Sunday morning, Saturday morning, make some coffee, chill out, get some nice speakers, okay? Not your phone. You got to get some nice speakers. Listen to the nuance underneath and just listen to the slightly folky, little R&B, little soul, little blues, little rock and roll. And as Bonnie Raitt transports you. Dude, the Bonnie Raitt transporter. That'd be a great uh, like tribute band. Uh, <laughs> I've never I've never heard someone describe Bonnie Raitt's ideal listening scenario. And I'm surprised it wasn't like get yourself a nice hot bath, some rose petals, some a bottle of wine. Do you do that too when you listen to Bonnie Ray, or is it just speakers and just speakers? I'm very like 1930s, like where you have the or 1970, you have the speakers next to you, you know, and like the old man's getting blasted, and he has a martini in one hand, and as as everything's flying back, that that's more or less me. Uh, <laughs> nice, nice. Uh, so I'm late, super late to the party. Uh, Michael Doyle in the comments just said Oppenheimer was incredible. I finally watched it. Have you guys watched? Have you guys, did you guys ever watch it? I haven't, no, I haven't I've been waiting it. for it. I'm going to watch it though. I finally watched it. Don't I, tell me what happens, dude. It is. <laughs> it's a blast. I mean, it, it, it was like, just sounds like you got blown away. I was blown away. It was like, it was like a. A, a cloud of no, I, I can't keep it going. I will say this: I am, I love Christopher Nolan. 
Like I love him all the way back to followers and then memento. And then I just feel like I've been there all along for Christopher Nolan's films ever since his earliest work. And man, this is it. I mean, this is the, like, it's just, it's phenomenal in every way. It's like, yeah. How do you make a three hour movie about scientists talking about science? And it plays like an action movie. It's incredible. It's, just incredible. Have hairy ass Truman in it. Is that what the S stands for? Shout I'm pretty sure the S doesn't stand for anything. Was he the president whose middle name didn't have any sort of, of actual meaning to it? Either way, Harry S. Truman from Independence. Shout out to Harry S. Truman. Uh, if you are a... Uh, I thought you said Harry Ash Truman. Yeah, it's the joke. Come on. I, I'm I'm 12. If you didn't tell that joke when you lived in Kansas City when you were uh, a young child. I didn't. I didn't get it. Yeah. Come on. Grow up now. Dude. What do you think that S stands for? Shout out Independence, by the way. <laughs> All right. We've gone off the rails without really going off the rails. We went down a Harry S. Truman path. Harry S. Truman. That's such a good joke now that I know it. I should know better. Uh, here we go. An explanation said that the S did not stand for any name, but was a compromise between the names of his grandfathers, Anderson Ship, Truman, and Solomon Young. So there you go. You learn on this show, a historical show. Dude. All right. On that boring note. Um, <laughs> All right, fine. The Chiefs are going to twist the knives as the Bills implode. The 13 seconds was the start. B- beating them in Orchard Park nope. will be the finish. Nope. nope, don't try to change it. All right, um, on behalf of this uh, dorky podcast, my name is Dewey Decimal. I'm here with Nerd Ferguson and our producer, um, Harry Ash Truman. Thanks for listening to the uh, – thanks for listening to uh, – really, thanks for always for listening to us. We appreciate – We'll be back tomorrow with Adam Best and Sterling Holmes on Thursday. Patrick Allen in the house with a full preview of Buffalo KC. We love it. We'll see you guys next time. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.